Jim Brunberg is back. He's been here a lot during the pandemic because he was one of the folks who were responsible for getting federal and state money to our venues to keep them open. We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about his new album, Songs of Stupid Hope. We need this album now, and you can quote me. We'll find out why during our conversation, which, if you know either one of us, goes off in 50 different directions. The great Jack Cassidy appears on a couple of tracks, and we'll find out about that. There's also a story about Jim's opening for Bruce Springsteen, which may or may not have been a dream. Welcome back, Jim Brunberg. One that was flashing. Don't forget to hit the. Oh, you got it. Is no longer flashing. Got the record button on the. Because that means. (laughs) It means (laughs) that you better be good. Okay, now I'll behave. Don't behave badly. Yes, behave badly. Okay. Can uh, can I go on eating my nuts? Sure. Real nuts, ladies and gentlemen. Sure. Sure. Uh huh. What are nut legumes? I have no idea. Hmm. Does it does it matter? I'd like to have a different name for them other than nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. They're not seeds. They're not really fruit. They're like a fruit. <laughs> How do you not know? Cause I don't care. <laughs> you know. What kind of a mentorship is this? It's nuts. Oh, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. Oh, it's not. It's yes. <laughs> Okay. Remember nerds? People used to say nerds in the 40s. Nerds. No, I don't remember the 40s. Hey, just Tom. nerds. <laughs> nerds to you. I feel like we're brothers, but I'm not your contemporary. I don't remember the 40s. I wasn't there well, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, although you know it happened I, on this day. You I know, think. the only thing I remember, because I was born, I was born in 46, yeah. but really the only thing I remember is the first time my parents took me into a record store. Wow. And I knew what I wanted. But you couldn't read the name of the label of the record because it was spinning so fast at 78 RPM. Not only that, they couldn't understand me. And I was really frustrated. Why couldn't they understand you? Because I was three years old. (laughs) (laughs) What was the record? 12th Street Rag. No. You know. It was, was a it? big record. It was like a number one record in like 1948. Age three, how did you know to ask for that? Radio. Oh, okay. Yeah. I miss radio. <laughs> radio used to be where we went to hear new music. Right. You can still hear good music on the radio. Which radio? KMHD on Friday nights I've and it. Sunday nights Price when they good. repeat my show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Glad we got that in. <laughs> I'm so glad we're not here to talk about money. No. Stuff like that. God, no. I mean, it was <clears throat> wonderful. It was important. It still is. I'm sure you're still involved in it. And that's not what this is about. I don't know what you're talking about. Me neither. Okay. But that's nothing new for me. Mm. We are here to talk (laughs) about this thing that I have in my hand here. It's not nuts. Physical media. Yep. And it's it's a CD. I made it myself, Tom. No. Yep. What do you mean you made it yourself? I did. I made it. I didn't print it, but I. Oh. I made the. I made. I made a musics, and um. I like listening to music in my car, and so do uh-huh. some of my friends, and so I wanted to make sure they had music they could listen to in their car that would cheer them up and make them drive slightly above the speed limit, <laughs> basically. <laughs> okay, so you got to explain the title, Songs of Stupid Hope. 
It's a great title. It's one of the great titles of all time. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. We're off to, we're off to a good start then. You like the, <laughs> you like the title, at least. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't know anything about music. Okay. The title is about... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, against a, a ba- it's, a, it's a cheerful title against a backdrop of despondency. I don't know. I, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a, that's, yeah. But Stupid Hope is still hope. It's still something that I felt when I was writing all these songs during, uh-huh. during the, the COVIDs. And I wanted to have, cheer myself up. And a couple of the songs are songs that I sent out to friends of mine. Just kind of, when I, as soon as I write a song, I usually record a rough version of it, send it to people who it might matter to. Uh-huh. And then they rip, they rip it apart and <laughs> they tell me, this, isn't about, this is about this other thing. Or this is, like, I just wrote one about Barry Manilow and what, it, <laughs> what it's like to... To be Barry Manilow? Well, no, but it's it's sort of a it's a perspective song about seeing somebody and being close to them, and uh-huh. you haven't seen them for a while, and it brings back all your childish impulses, and you know the words are like, um, I st- uh, let's see here, I start acting like a kid, thinking about the stupid things that we did, and we used to be, uh, we used to be so uh, we used to be such jerks, but now we've done the work, and it, when I see you, it's <laughs> like I'm, it's like I can hear that song by Barry Manilow. So I sent that around uh-huh. to five or six people with whom I wanted to have some redemptive, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> yeah, sort of like look look back, look how far we've come. But all of them said, "Damn it, is this about me? Fuck you, fuck you, man." <laughs> Why'd you? I'm like, no, it's just you know you're in there, but. Uh, so these songs on Stupid Hope, were, they were sort of hopeful songs that I was sending around to my friends, and some of them really liked them, so I, I worked them up and added, you know, mm-hmm. learned to play the saxophone so I could make, did make you, sound no, you, Did you really? That, yeah, was my COVID, really. that was my COVID project. I taught myself. To, wow. Well, I didn't teach it to myself, but I. Yeah. Th- there was a guy on, through a Zoom call, uh-huh. my daughter was taking flute lessons from an amazing guy named Brian, uh-huh. Brian Myers, and he was kind enough to give me some pointers, too, and so huh. I... And then I just went and woodshedded it. It's not. I would never play saxophone out live in front of people, but in the studio oh. where you can play yeah, yeah. a couple notes here yeah. and then hit record again, play a couple more notes, and then edit something together that sounds halfway decent. Alto, that, tenor, what are you playing? All of them. I bought really? a garage sale saxophone from each kind. I, I wouldn't spend more than $100 on a horn. <laughs> so it's top-notch equipment, but I got a tenor, yeah. uh, an alto, and I didn't get a soprano. Um, really? I got a, I got a baritone, a tenor, and, a, and an alto. Right. Huh. Uh, so, so next. That's is, interesting. You got a Barry rather rather than a, a soprano. I had the soprano range covered by the clarinet. So ah. cl- clarinet was was a previous urge, um, mm-hmm. and Lisa, who's also on this record, Lisa Lipton, is an amazing clarinet player. Oh yeah, she's been in here in the podcast. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So she taught me uh, clarinet. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Why? She's one of the people who to whom I sent the Barry Manilow song. <laughs> Who misunderstood what it was about? <laughs> well, I can understand that because I'm not sure what it has to do with Barry Manilow. It doesn't even have to do with with this album that we're we're here to talk about. Because it's, <laughs> like, it's not even on it. It's on the next album. <laughs> You're gonna. I'm gonna inflict myself upon you again <laughs> with a. I don't know. I'll give it some other title like Big Dumb Love Song or something. <laughs> Big Dumb Ballads. <clears throat> so who plays on this besides you? The only other people on it besides me and uh, Lisa guests on clarinet uh, and vocal on one song. Jack Cassidy plays bass on two songs uh, because he's like a godfather who Mm -hmm. I've been watching my whole life. Yeah. Looking up to him and his... Jack Cassidy was one of the founders of Jefferson Airplane. Mm -hmm. And 
also hot tuna and he's just you, you think well he's probably some some old rock star you know old rock stars tend to get kind of jaded to the world and right. they, they see things through a patina of the tour bus or, yeah. or you know. yeah. no he's like the most alive cat he's wow. the most youthful uh-huh. and uh, wonderful generous dude and and just, just always tells it like it is he doesn't have a you know, a mattress around him uh-huh. you know he uh-huh. doesn't tell the same old stories he's wow he's like one of my heroes and and uh my old duo box set used to tour with hot tuna a lot because uh-huh. we were an easy band to have open up because we would just get up there no sound check you know two guys two yeah. guitars vocal harmonies yeah and so they invited us out with them and i got to know him and yorma really well and they were like um seriously like godparents to me yeah. uh really great guys so when i got this finished i sent to jack uh the the tracks and said hey you want to add something to this and i sent him a couple i sent him three songs and like seriously two days later he sent me like four or five different options for bass lines on it huh. uh, he has a house in he's done quite well i'm <laughs> sure a house in london checks are still coming right yeah, checks are, yeah i hope he just got a star on the hollywood hall of fame um but he's we're talking so long i know right but but uh, he's just like the most generous guy so he's on there and then ben landsberg my my always yeah. partner yeah. plays a fiddle on a couple songs mm-hmm. and then i i uh, took a song seed from my friend charlie fay who is a songwriter and performer in uh, austin because huh. I was thinking I was going to write a country album during COVID. Uh-huh. And I was going to come up with this whole persona and come <laughs> out with this guy, Sonny Smokes, who is going to be this this character who is sort of embodied some of the bullshit that happened between us with, with COVID. You know, yeah. The way we started getting angry with each other about huh. things that we should probably talk through. <laughs> right. And uh, Sonny Smokes is this character who was going to have a country album <laughs> uh, but I got halfway into it, and I, it just wasn't me to write to write uh, always in a narrative voice of one one narrator. Yeah, I'm fine with being yeah. an untrustworthy narrator uh-huh. f- on all the songs, yeah. sure. But but on uh, but having one guy dominate my life, I was going to have to do a photo shoot and oh yeah, have to embody this this guy. Yeah. I, I, so there's one country song on here about this guy who uh-huh. who hijacks a tractor and goes to see <laughs> he gets out of jail and goes to see his his daughter his illegitimate daughter and uh, yeah. It does, you know, it doesn't go great, but well, it gets there. There's, seldom, there's hope involved. Seldom does. I, I would in such I would situations. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You have, have you ever hijacked no. any vehicle? No. Oh, me neither. No. No. Never hot wired a car. Either. No. I do, but I drove a cab in Baltimore, Maryland. Well, that's been something. It's something. I bet you heard a lot of stories. No. People the, didn't talk to you. The the main story was for me either to get killed or not. Well, you didn't. Couldn't have, and I don't know why. I tried enough. I'd pick up anybody. Hmm. I had a death wish at the time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You took all the risks that no other driver would take. Right. It's like I was, you know, because during that period of time, my hero was Travis Bickle. I don't know who Travis Bickle is. Taxi driver. Huh. The movie. Oh, the, that's the character's name? Yes. That De Niro plays? Correct. He was your hero. Yeah. Not really your hero. When I was driving a cab, it was. His character spoke to you, but. He isn't he? Doesn't he end? Well, I don't want to spoil the movie for people who haven't seen it. But well, no, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's, it's four, fifty years old. What are you right. talking about? Yeah, I know, but no, I, mean, he, I, still, I, he, I don't want he, to spoil he, Harold and he, Maude for anybody. He either. rescued uh, uh, what's her name? Yeah, you know, uh, what's uh, Sybil Shepherd. Sib- no, no, he no. didn't rescue Sybil Shepherd. Oh, wait, that's right. You had rescued no. um, Joni. Uh, no, no uh, I can't remember. Anyway, because you know, the thing is, let me let me clue you in on something here. 
you get to be my age, you won't remember anybody's name. Well, you remember the character's name from the movie Taxi Driver. That's right. better than I could do. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I used to, uh, I had a roommate, we were both driving a cab, and we, uh, we wanted to have bumper stickers made that said that Travis Bickle was right. I have a Travis Bickle action figure in, in, wow. my, in my kitchen. Sounds dirty. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Okay, sorry. No, just the opposite, you know. <clears throat> he yeah. didn't like that. He didn't like the, uh, the lascivious stuff, the crude, the blue mm. humor. Travis didn't. Except he went to porn theaters all the time. Right. No, he was, I, I'm telling you, Tom, he, for, for him to be your hero is, <laughs> is telling, very telling. And with a name like Pickle... One of these days, a real rain will come and wash all this scum oh off boy. the street. You're doing it. <laughs> We've lost Tom. Anybody still listening out there? That's okay. It's okay. I, you know, I, I, Are you I, talking to me? I, well, that's, you must be. Every, well, everybody says that. I know. Well, but, that's uh, the only one I know. Uh, there's a CD that has um, several long speeches. Not, they, they made, they made a, some long speeches out of uh, lines that he says in the movie. Yeah. Bernard Herrmann was the composer. Oh, you mean there was a speech with a with a backdrop uh, of music of of the of the theme. Yeah. And who did the spoken word? Did they just it use It's from the, the movie. From the movie. Yeah. Oh. It was it was it, and it they was released in the day a vinyl no. of this. No. no. It was a CD. A CD. Yeah. Much later then. It wasn't that much later. Yeah, I mean, the movie didn't. When the movie came out, there was no CDs. It was not yet, but it was close. Not even close. Oh, it was like sure twenty was. years from CDs. No, CDs came in in the in the early eighties. Yeah, but nobody bought them until the Beatles came uh, out on CD. I did eighty six. I did. You were an early adopter of new technology. Yeah, always. Okay. Do you still have a CD player in your car? Sure. All right. Well, I hope you like my new CD. There you no, go. No, actually, you know what? <laughs> my car is so old. I have a cassette a cassette oh, player. Wow. Jeez. Actually, have a cassette player. <clears throat> I always ask this when we talk, but do you edit these down? Never. <laughs> okay. Why would I edit them? It's know. not just, just it, asking. It's for called. A friend. It's I was called. A, I was asking. It, for it's a called coffee shop conversations, not coffee shop interviews. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, tell me about. I, I loved opening for Bruce Springsteen. Mm. That was fabulous. Thank you. Um, that was that was live. That would, yeah, that was live. That was from a, several years ago. That's the that's the bonus track on the record. Huh. Um, bonus. I don't know why it's called a bonus track because it's more than ten. It's number eleven. It's <laughs> it's listed and everything, but I yeah. I still think of it as the bonus track because everything else was recorded in the last couple months. Uh-huh. But opening for Bruce Springsteen was recorded uh, in two thousand nine, maybe. Uh-huh. It was at one of Courtney Hommeister's uh, True Stories events, uh-huh. which always inspires people to write new material with their short story uh-huh. teller or a musician. And she has an invite thing, that, and, and, and we perform it in front of a small audience, yeah. although we, yeah. we haven't done it for a long time, except for we yeah. just revived it this year. Good. Um, and well, it's a, it's, a, it, it's, it's a great story. Thank you. Well, it's just a dream. It's a story of a dream. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's a dream very like what dreams that I have almost every night where I um, I get a chance to, to, to play music for somebody, but I'm not wearing any pants or I get to <laughs> play music for somebody. And then and in this instance, the story is that basically I get, to, I, yeah, I'm thrust into this un, unsuspecting situation where I'm opening uh-huh. for Bruce Springsteen at a festival, but Billy Joel gets up and he starts 
kind of ruining my jam uh-huh. by playing loudly while yes. I'm trying to build up <laughs> and I reprimand him and then I feel like a giant asshole and then it goes on from there. <laughs> it's really good. Thank you. It's really good. I, I, I love that. Um, so, but it wasn't one of those dreams where everything doesn't work, where things don't work. You've had those, those, had those <laughs> It is dreams. kind of one of those dreams. Well, yeah. yes, and, yes and no. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, the mic was, in those kind of dreams, the mic wouldn't work. Right, no, yeah, that's or, true. The know. guitar, but it's very like that. Guitar, cause, right. Cause a, yeah, yeah. a guy I admire, G.E. Smith, comes up and yeah. hands me a guitar, <laughs> but when I, start, when I start to try to play the guitar, horrible sounds come out of it. <laughs> well, there you go. Some special, okay. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's totally one of those dreams, and yeah. it was a real dream that I had. Yeah. Um, I think I just like mushed a couple dreams together to make the song. Uh-huh. The Billy Joel dream and the G.E. Smith dream were probably two different dreams. <laughs> and this is how stupid my dreams are. You know, I'm, in one dream I'm hanging out on stage playing, and G.E. Smith is, you know, handing me his guitar. And in another dream, Billy Joel is hogging my song. Why so. did you, Why did he do that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you have to ask the dream version no, of you, Billy Joel yeah. in my. Ah, is this yes. a Jungian exercise? Are we? Why did that happen in my dream? But who is the dreamer? We live inside a dream. Wow. But who is the dreamer? Is this Taxi Driver? No, it's David Lynch. <laughs> it's Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen a single oh, episode. I know. Oh, man. Who is, you know Sarah Tiedemann? No. Mm-mm. She runs, uh, she's, a, she's a flute player, and I believe she is, I'm just trying to think which organization she heads up now. It could be Third Angle. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I know Sarah. I yeah. know who. I know who yeah. she is. We've yeah. been on. We sat here one time, and we were just doing. We were having a good time, you know, talking. All of a sudden, Twin Peaks came up, and we're both Twin Peaks nuts. And all of a sudden, we didn't talk about anything else. You must feel all, so unfulfilled right now. The rest of the time. <laughs> right now, you must be so frustrated because <laughs> no, I have no. never seen Twin Peaks. That's okay. If you want to quote okay. the you movie Babe, You're I'm not... a Babe guy. I babe. quote Babe all day long. Like not a... the, no, not the baseball movie. The pig talking pig movie. Talking that's my, pig. That's my job. Talking pig. I'm stupidly hopeful. Talking Hence pig. the name of the record. Okay. <laughs> have you seen it? No. Oh, it's brilliant. It's Fellini-esque. It, Mickey Rooney's character. Uh, no spoilers. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney's in it. Jeez. Well, he's in the sequel, Babe Two. <laughs> you have to start, you have to watch Babe. Is, is, is Gilbert Gottfried in it? No, <laughs> Tom. There is a talking duck. Yes, it's not Gilbert Gottfried. The talking duck has a sort of nihilistic. Is it nihilistic? Nihilistic. Um, doomsday self preservation thing. Huh. But he. But the talking duck ends up being. It's it's really good. It's Orwellian. It's it's bucolic. It's like if you took Garrison Keillor and put him in a blender with George Orwell, oh, and then handed it to some really sophisticated animators oh, who were way ahead of their time. I never liked of, Garrison Keillor. Well, there's certain things about Garrison. Ke- <laughs> I'm going to defend Garrison Keillor. I can't stand Garrison Keillor. None of it. Early Garrison Keillor. Nothing. Off the cuffs, not a moment. Hog slaughter. Nothing. There's a, there's a story. Zero. <laughs> I'm not here to defend Garrison Keillor. You must. Yes, you are. Well, I will just say there's some early stories from the from the late 70s uh-huh. before he became when he was just a short story writer. And uh-huh. he was just gonna, before hogs, he became a pompous ass. Well, whatever you consider him, <laughs> hog slaughter is a good story. Hog slaughter. Just, oh, jeez. You know, listeners, if you're God, you know what that just reminded me of <clears throat> that amazing shot of Sarah Palin. Did you ever see that? <laughs> yeah, with she, the turkeys with in the, the background. With the turkeys getting yes. <laughs> That's, That's beautiful. Stuffing the turkey in like a gr- meat grinder or something. Well, it's a de. 
they're rip. It's a dead turkey. So yeah, the turkey's already yeah, dead, but yeah. they're, it's a rip feather ripping. I know it's like Fargo. Thing. It's like and the guy's Buscemi doing it, and he's looking at the camera like, "Is this right. okay? Yeah. Can I do this?" And I know. Ca- and whoever her yeah. handler yeah. is says, "Yeah, go ahead, do it." But that's like Steve Buscemi and Fargo. It's totally like the, that. You know, with his his his, par- his partner. Yep. Yeah, that's oh, your partner boy. there yeah, in the chipper, really. then, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the turkeys in the background is something that's missing from politics today. Her, if if Herschel Walker had had a turkey grinder moment <laughs> where we actually saw some of yes. the monstrosities he had committed, well, yes. we wouldn't want to see that. No, we but, wouldn't want to see but, that. Uh, okay. <laughs> what is the most hopeful song on this album? Uh, let me see. There let you me go. see it. Um, the most hopeful song is track number two, After Times. Ah. After times, and it was uh, genuinely, in all seriousness, was written to get me through a day, like a, another day. Yeah. Uh, my day job is that I run music venues. Yes. I, I own music venues, and, and an amazing crew of people run them. And when we shut down, um, we had to lay off all the hourly labor. There wasn't any work for them right. to do. So it was right. a matter of um, me and my managers, who we kept on, taking turns calling people to tell them that show after show after show was being canceled. So yeah. the way at the beginning, this is in the spring of 2020, Yeah, um, we were calling. You know, start, The first call I made was Casey Neal. He was the first show to uh-huh. be canceled. Oh, boy. March, March 11th, you know. Uh-huh. Good old friend of mine, one of my favorite songwriters mm-hmm. in Portland, really amazing guy. And, you know, there was so much terrible conversation going on right right then yeah about it, it hadn't even been really politicized yet it was right. just this scary horrible thing that was happening and there was no vac no vaccine yeah there was no nothing we just nothing. knew that you you, you we could die know. you could die yeah. yeah who knows and and so calling casey and talking it through with him was one you know moment followed by a thousand literally a thousand moments just like that where where i had to call friends and can either cancel shows that i was in or cancel mm-hmm. shows that were happening at my venues or or tell uh, our part-time staffers that they weren't going to have any work yeah uh and just got it was devastating and, and there were others like me you know in mm-hmm. my industry sure and we got to know each other pretty well we've yeah you know trying to you know get venues through this but I wrote that for them. I dedicated it to them on the in, on the inside sleeve. There's I listed a bunch of the people uh, who were who gave me hope and who I was mm-hmm. on the phone with or on Zoom calls every day with. Yeah, you know, saying this will end someday. You know, eventually people are going to want to get back together. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, we'll be able to gather and ha- get, have that thing happen where we're we're all in the same room and enjoying music. And together. those those are the after times. Those are the after times. Uh. Yeah. Uh, and I sent it to Jack. That was one of the. That's one of the ones that he played bass on because a I didn't like my bass line very much. Oh, that I was. I just was. I didn't have a great idea for the bass line. Jack is an amazing bass player, so sure. I sent that to him, uh, knowing that his career was also stopped. So yes, now, you know we were all just looking for things to do. Really, and so that's when he and he immediately sent it right back with the with the bass line that that is on there, uh, which was way better and more interesting than my bass line. And, you know, I mean, it just gave me hope that, that we could still stay, all of us stay connected in through all of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got, we got through it and a lot of people, a lot of people's lives changed and a lot sure. of people died, obviously. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. it was just, yeah. it's just basically talking about how in the after times, uh, things will get better. It can't uh-huh. be like this forever. Uh-huh. Are there any songs about your kids on this? No, but my kids sing on it a lot. Really? Um, they, uh, they wanted to. They they're amazing. They they vocal vocalists and 
they're 13, they were 12 when some of this was recorded. And mm-hmm. One of them plays flute on one of it, and they both sing on a couple of the tunes. Um, they were great. You know, they, they, I just don't know how kids did it. Kids didn't go, kids didn't go to school. They didn't yeah. go play with their friends, and uh, they were willing to put up with me just sitting in my studio all the time, mm-hmm. you know, m- making music and working and always on Zoom calls. And so uh, our way of bonding was to, we do two things. We go look for mushrooms and we make music together. <laughs> so. But it's interesting that, that you didn't, didn't write about them. That's on the next record. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is really Songs of Stupid Hope. And I think that, yeah, I mean, this one is really, every song on here is like, has to do with how um, we all got a little bit broken, but we're going to be okay. Uh, is that what the song Broken is about? Yeah, yeah, basically. It's mm-hmm. like you may feel like your life's fucked up, but uh, you know, there's other people out there who also have, for different reasons, fucked up lives, and we're a little bit broken. You know, you mm-hmm. might be because of our parents or might be because of yeah. you know, an injury or an illness that we've had, but mm-hmm. uh, we, we're bonded in our brokenness. This, these are all <laughs> literally songs of hope against a bleak drop. Uh, bleak <coughs> backdrop yeah um yeah with an emphasis on the bleak backdrop and i knew like i knew <laughs> i knew that i loved sean krogan's artwork for uh-huh. example sean uh-huh. krogan did the did the drawings for it because i follow him and i've, I've seen his art out there in the world and, mm-hmm. and i just love uh his kind of his artwork quivers with a with a sense of of like impending uh, fucked upness yeah. <laughs> with the world around him. It's not a very articulate way of saying it, but like if you see Sean Krogan's art, if you hear, hear his music, he's just an incredible singer uh-huh. and performer uh, and writer, and his bands are killer. You know, the Mistons is the, the latest band, but he's been in so many, so many bands, and, and uh, his artwork has had that same vibe. So I asked him to to chime. You know, even though I didn't know him that well, we'd met a couple times. But I, I uh-huh. asked him, so we got together and. He did the artwork, which was I thought really perfect because it has a stupid hopefulness to it. Yeah. But in the yeah. background, there's a storm going on, and like there's a monster in the house and, and things like that. There's a picture of you on the back cover here. Yes. And and I'm very happy that there's actually a back cover because there's no back covers on Spotify. True. And no <laughs> credits. <laughs> well, they're starting to do the credits now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And you're signing a 45 RPM record. Well, I'm not signing it. It's just a joke. It's sort of like I'm writing a record. I'm oh, writing on a record. The record I see. itself. I is, see. It, unknowingly, that's one of my favorite records of all time that I'm writing on there. It's, uh-huh. the, it's the Beach Boys' uh, Don't Worry Baby. Uh-huh. Is that and the Wrecking Crew on that? I don't know. That's I'm sure it is. It might be. Because uh, the Beach Boys never, never hardly ever recorded didn't do their anything. Own band no, work. Yeah, no. at that time. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. Might, I, I think pretty pretty sure Carol uh, yes. K is playing bass on it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know about the rest of the rhythm. So anyway, the, the, the song always, I ask myself, why do I love this song so much? Uh-huh. And it's because it's sort of like this soothing, uh, stupid hope song. Yes. But I didn't realize that until after I took that picture it's a, just a selfie i took with my iphone i leaned my i leaned my phone up and <laughs> i've never all the albums i've ever done i've maybe made of my own music i've maybe made uh i don't know 15 or 20 records with with jeff and with ben yeah. Yeah. and we never put pic, i never put a picture of myself on the record except for the, maybe like on the inner sleeve somewhere a tiny one and this one i'm like well i'm gonna put a big bold picture of myself on there <laughs> and of all people the inspiration was billy joel's uh <laughs> 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 Billy Joel uh, 
nylon curtain record. It's got an uh-huh. abstract cover, and when you turn it over, he's like reading the New York Times, and I think he's having a <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> and there was something compelling about that, so this is my version of that, only I'm, I'm poking fun of it a little bit because I'm, I'm scribbling on a Beach Boys record. Is there, did you actually scribble? Did you actually write anything on that? No, I didn't. But a guy who owned the record before, I, I bought that record when I was a kid at a garage sale. Wow. I was probably 13 when I bought that record. Yeah. Because uh, I was really into 45s and I, I loved playing them. Because sure. it was an active, you know, you, you put the 45 on the, on the turntable and yeah. you listen to that song. And uh-huh. you, you're there two minutes later flipping right. it over, putting yeah. another 45 yeah. on. It's an active yeah. way to listen to music. And I have a lot of 45s still. And the Beach Boys, uh, I discovered them through that record. Uh, and then a guy named Steve owned it before me and he Steve had a sharpie and Steve wrote in big letters obscuring the original capital swirl logo with his his name Steve <laughs> when I was a kid I had a 45 rpm RCA slide-o-matic you ever Ooh, seen one of those no it was you had to hook it up to a, a, a like a clock radio that it was another RCA thing you had to hook it up to it right wow because it didn't have speakers or anything uh-huh and it was just this little rectangular pl- plastic black plastic box it had a slot you would slide the 45 in and then a little metal thing that you would lift it up that you would lift it up and it would play like and a then jukebox only home, kind of home use kind of huh. and and then when it was done it would boop, drop down i love it i want one i wish i had it i wish i still had it i've always thought about getting a jukebox but there's something about the jukebox owning demographic <laughs> they're kind of like also the guys who drive 57 Chevys and have like $50,000 to throw at their Chevy. Yes. And that's not me. Yes. So I'm like, yeah. ah, you know what? I'm not going to do a jukebox. I'll just keep listening. Well, but you could, you could pretend that you're, a, you're, a, you're in the mob. Yeah, but I'd, I'd be, no, I'd be <laughs> pretending I was the Fonz. I'd figure out a oh. way to like, hit it once and have it play the right song for the moment. That's, that's good. If I could hotwire a jukebox to do that, I might invest like maybe $1,000. You know, I, I used to, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen one. You ever see uh, a jukebox that played 78s? Oh, yeah. They're sure. great. They're I can't believe that they, that they survived, like that the 78s didn't break, though, because they're so breakable. I know. You know, they, know. They, there's a machine that's so gentle that it can handle 78s better than I can. Yeah. Because I break those things all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, for one thing, the books they make, <laughs> there's right. probably some record collectors out there who can identify with this. All the books they make, the albums they make to keep yeah. their 78s in. That's, where they, that's why they call them record albums. But they're, right, they're actually exactly. record albums. They're albums of records. Yeah. But they're also designed to break your fucking records. Well, sure. As soon as you put the thing in there <laughs> and you close the thing, when you reopen it, the the edge of the record is caught in the spine of the <laughs> album all my favorite 78s got broken that way wow. not by me but no by, you know somebody will pick up oh is, is this an album oh jeez what's an oh, oh no man. it's not a photo it's 78s and then they oh. open it up and oh, <laughs> oh, man. all the 78 edges break there's a story in my family when i was i guess maybe four of me breaking a whole bunch of 78s on purpose i don't know <laughs> i'm not i don't know that i really don't know if i did it on purpose or not wait so so when you were three you went in and and you wanted a record yes Your parents couldn't understand you correct so they, and then when you were four you broke a bunch of records let I me did. fill in the blanks yes. here <laughs> they bought you uh Perry Como records no you were pissed no no <laughs> you broke was, all that shit and then and actually uh they liked uh glenn miller and vic damone Hmm. But you broke that shit. I I had I had bad parenting. <laughs> so I guess I was angry. <laughs> I had good parenting, but my parents had bad taste in music. Oh. <laughs> Why would they like? 
Well, except I, they did like John Denver, and I, I have a soft spot for John Denver. No, there was a. <laughs> I got excited when I returned from college one day because I saw in in my dad's uh, my parents' record thing, uh-huh. the, the piece of furniture that hold, holds records. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> bureau is that what it's called? A bureau? No. You call it a piece of furniture. You put you put your stereo it's in. A record and player. Uh, it had an elevated purpose to held, held the record player. And I got excited because it, like, it said Ray Charles. I pulled the record. Oh, oh and it was the Ray Charles singer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they had Montavani records. Yeah. And Ray Charles singers yeah, records. Yeah. No it, Beatles records. There was a friend of mine, my, one of my baseball buddies from Baltimore. His uncle before I before I moved out here. His uncle died, Uncle Elkie, and uh, I and and he he uh, he died and and gave gave my friend all of his records, uh-huh. and they were amazing, good records, like Esquivel, Mint oh, wow. Esquivel, Whoa. a lot of um, uh, Yiddish records, yeah. a lot of pop Jewish records, wow, a lot of um, uh, Mickey Katz, yeah. And stuff cool. like that. Yeah. And uh, did you break those too? No, they oh, were man. they were LPs. <laughs> <laughs> Flexible. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, that was about 1995, I believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and matter of fact, there's one of those that I play every year on the radio, and it's in my holiday show, which is, which will be on in a couple of weeks from awesome. now. I don't know when this is going to on, fr- on, on regular Friday. Yeah, it'll be on the 23rd, 23rd and the 25th. Um. By Stanley Stanley Adams and his Chicken Flickers, <laughs> uh, to the tune of Jingle Bells, a song called Matzo Balls. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to hear a little bit of it. Matzo balls, right matzo balls <laughs> in the chicken soup. Mama makes you eat them till your stomach starts to pluch. Oy, matzo Oy. balls, matzo balls, have another cup. If matzo balls don't kill you, your number isn't up. Oh, my God. The, the flick, what flickers? The Stanley chicken? Adams and his Chicken Flickers. Chicken Flickers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. That had chickens? There was no chickens. It was Did chicken Stanley? soup. Do you think Stanley really had uh, chickens? Was no, he a rural, chicken, a rural? Uh, no, it's just a it's just shtick. Chicken flickers. Right. No, it's I, funny. But it's funny because it rhymes, or because I'm I, I I am also amused by it. I'm asking why <laughs> for the same reason I want to know why, why jo- Billy Joel shows up a, in my dreams. It's a joke. Why is he flicking chickens? That sounds. No, you can't ask that kind of question. Why? Because it's irrelevant. It's very relevant. It's like what's you know like what's a nut? What's really a nut? <sighs> that might have been before you started recording. It could have been. Yeah. I don't know if somebody's talking about chicken flicking. I, as a rural person, That's, I want to know why they're talking about that. Because just, it's a joke. But it sounds like what would come out of it would be like bluegrass music. You know, like no, the, the, no, just, Bill Monroe. It's side like project. a like a Steve Allen joke. Is it meant to sound dirty? No, but what's funny about it? I I, I want to get to the bottom of this chicken <laughs> flicking business. What does it mean to flick a chicken? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's okay. just people who, right. who ch- they're just chicken flickers. Okay, it's funny All when right. you say it. <laughs> see, we. <laughs> yeah, I I can see that. But I, I, th- I would think that a journalist like yourself would want to get to the bottom of why. There is no bottom. It's a joke. There's a bottom. No, there's no, no bottom. No, it's like Sarah Palin and the turkeys. There's, no, a, ju- there's a bottom. No, there's no bottom at all. Okay. It's just a joke. <laughs> it's just designed to make you laugh. It's an oral, That's all. It's an oral joke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's one you know. of my kids were 
younger, I used to call them booger suckers because kids, always, their noses are always running. Right. Like, Get your booger sucking butts out here and right. but clean that's, up your room. That's a little more graphic than chicken flick because there's, there's well, no it such thing. It has meaning. It's no, graphic it doesn't. because it means it doesn't. something. It doesn't. It doesn't. It has no meaning. I bet you chicken flick. I'm going to Google this. Yeah, go ahead. Chicken flicking has meaning. <laughs> it does not. Stanley who? Stanley Adams, Stanley which was, of course Adam. was not his real name. No, it doesn't yeah. sound right. <laughs> like a chicken flicking name. The last, the last, uh, the last uh, line of that song after he, after his mother has filled him full of matzo, of matzo ball balls yeah. is, I don't feel good. And then the record stops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is that, are you going to play that on your I, show? Oh, it's in the show. It's in the okay, show for, but, the, but, for the 20th, 23rd you, and 25th. Uh, not, not to draw back the curtain on, on the magical world of radio, but have you already made this show? Yeah, we, we started so, doing that you know, for, during the pandemic. So I can't, if I do research, if I become your radio research <laughs> assistant and find the, the, the meaning of chicken flicking, you can't insert it into your show. No. Damn, Tom. No. You and your modern contraptions. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you're listening now, it's not yes. live. In fact, Tom and I aren't even talking. This is all artificial intelligence. Oh, well, God. artificial something. Well, it's the only kind of that's the only way I'm going to be intelligent at all. If it's artificial, I don't know. I, you know, I want, I, I want, a, I want an implant in my brain. <laughs> Do you, I, you want? Oh, one? absolutely. That does what? I can remember names. No, no, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. It's not that important. Uh, it is important. <laughs> But the thing is, you know, if, if if I'm talking to somebody who's my age, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but or if you you've never if you you've been in conversation with people, a couple of people who are my age, and listen to them talk, there's a shorthand because neither neither one of them can remember people's names. Oh, when two people talk who yeah. are who are older, yeah, yeah, the guy, they just say the guy and he and you know what I mean. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So. You jump right past it so that you don't have to hurt your brain remembering right. their name. Right. Yeah. I, I was I was in here yesterday with Bree Gregg mm-hmm. doing one of these. Whose name you remember? Yes. Because she's lovely and talented. Yes, she is. Yep. But I was trying to remember Nan Alleman of Spigot. Do you remember Nan? Uh, maybe. No, I don't know. I don't Spigot was good. Spigot. L- yeah. Lisa Marsicek was in that band too. No, okay. Maybe she wasn't. Or maybe she wasn't. But anyway, no, no. <laughs> Nan was in Flat Mountain Girls. Anyway. And I couldn't remember Nan's name. Uh-huh. I don't know why, because when, we did, when I did a TV interview with her, at the end of the interview, she stood up and turned around and mooned us. This was a TV interview. And her name was tattooed on her butt cheek. No. 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 <laughs> but, but that helped her remember she was her great. name? She was great. She had this one. She, oh, it was, she was brilliant. She left town and had a baby and stopped, stopped you know, being an entertainer. But she had this one song about... Um, the Rose Festival about uh, the Rose Festival uh, queens with their um, uh, high heels sinking in the mud because hmm. <laughs> oh. it always it like always rains. How during, come, during the how come so many of the most talented songwriters and nothing against those who are working in the clubs right now because yeah. I love them too? But yeah. why some of our favorites just disappear I hard? Don't I don't know. Leah Kruger. Sure. Such an incredible. You remember Anna sure. Lama and, and sure. her. Yeah. No sign. Nobody knows where Leah is yeah. now. And I, I, yeah. oh, I would love to co-write with her. She's so. Uh-huh. Her song spoke to me so much. She, I'll, she a, I'll, I will send you some some Nan Alleman stuff. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. That'd be great. Because who's the who's the uh, David the, the harmonica player? Uh, David Lipkin. David Lipkin. Yep. Was in her band. Great name for a harmonica player, by the way. Absolutely. Right? Lipkin. Yes. Like, and Lisa Lipton. Yes. The the. the, the <laughs> Claire, what do you call it? A clarinet player? Clarinet player, yeah. 
See, <sighs> it's 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 catching. She also introduced me to Esquivel. Ah, by the way. I, I've got. I, four I was a latecomer. Late I got four or five mint Esquivels. Could not sell them on eBay. Couldn't sell Mickey Cats, uh, um, mint condition Mickey Cats on eBay. Hmm. I know. Yeah, but you find one of them Stan Adams and the chicken the suckers. Chicken flickers. Yeah. <laughs> flickers. That'll sell. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done the chicken dance? No, not knowingly. No. Really? The chicken dance. Da 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 da. I'm I'm like the hands. The hands are clicking, going. Clicking here, my I'll, hands I'll, together. I'll do the color calling here. Tom, <laughs> da, looking da, like Esquivel. Da 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 da. No, it looks like yada no, this, yada. This like is, stop. Is, you can stop is, talking now. This is, is what it a looks dance like. that people do at wedding receptions. Oh really? With the hands up like that? Yeah. Because it looks like no, you're saying you're just talking no, to me. Da da da. No, it's it's chickens. My my hands are our chickens talking. Is this to the tune of a da 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 da. Da 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 da. The arms are going, wing, little wings, little, little wings. pterodactyl da, 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 style right, yeah. wings. And then it does. You do it again, and then the, the and then there's a break that goes da 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 da, da where everybody is. There's everybody standing, and then they they sort of promenade in a circle. I think I feel right now the way my daughters felt the other day when I was telling them about Rock Lobster. I was telling them about the B-52s, <laughs> and and that song came on through some algorithm. Of, yeah. I went from, like, on my listening Apple world, I was uh-huh. like Marshall Crenshaw uh-huh. to the Monroes, kind of a one-hit wonder band from, uh-huh. from Fresno from the 80s. And then it went to the B-52s, and I'm like, huh, never was a really big fan, but girls, you should hear this. Was <laughs> This used to play at the high school dances, and they're like, high school <laughs> dances? Da, 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 da. And, and I think it was exactly the same but way see, as I feel now about the chicken dance. But see, I never played that at high school. That, that was long. I mean, that was, I was, I was, I was in, in college. I was, in, I was in working. I was working in TV by the time Rock Lobster came around. Yeah. Uh, uh, Grown-up and probably thinking this is pretty, pretty, pretty silly stuff. Pretty right? silly stuff, yeah. Um, uh, but... Um, but the chicken dance, when I was, I would see, I had, when, when my career went in the toilet, after I got, after I stopped being a cab driver, I got a gig being a wedding, a wedding and party DJ. Huh. And you had to have a set, or they wouldn't tip you, this where you had to do the, the chicken twist, dance. the twist, the twist, the chicken dance, YMCA. Um, rock Lobster, probably. No, not Rock Lobster. Not yet. No, no. Mm-mm. Really, that was just no, a briefer no. phase, huh? And the Macarena. Oh boy! Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a work. That's when you call it working. It's oh, no longer fun when you oh, have to play it was, those songs. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad. Tom, Tom DJ. After, I moved back here. Uh, I mean, I moved to Portland not long. That was the, that was the last gig I had in Baltimore before I left and moved in here in '97. Huh. And not long after that, a year or two, I, w- I got, I got, a, I, I went to a wedding reception, and they played the Macarena, and all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. <laughs> it's horrible. I don't know that horrible. dance. Horrible. I've never been able to stomach it myself, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I have very little uh, coordination. South. Don't you dance? So I, I don't dance in a way that you would ever want to see. Really? No. Wow. My career tanked as a dancer very early on. I think I was probably in elementary school, and some girls laughed at me. And from then, I didn't try to move, didn't try to move my lower core. Although recently, I've I've found a new a new way of moving. And at the last <laughs> at the next waltz, I got really into it because I was asked to sing a song that I'm not that fond of. That that is a huh? it's a nonsense song. You, you'd probably love it. What is it? It's uh, the um, Rag Mama Rag, which isn't oh, really oh great song. It, well, okay, great song. Great what's song. it about? Is what the hell is that song about? Y- y- is it about a d- misunderstanding between two people, or is it about sex, or is it about a nagging kind yeah. of thing? 
All I, of the above. I decided to make it as just as dirty as I could, and I did like a dirty dancing <laughs> version of it. Oh, God. Well, there's the sleeping bag part, and, and there's the right. turtle. What's right. the turtle? That's Why is he asking about know. her turtle? doesn't matter. Ask LeVon. <laughs> <laughs> did LeVon write that one? LeVon Humes? No, you know what? I, I played that on my radio show, but I also found a, a, a version of that from like the 30s. Some, you know... Really? Yeah. Like an earlier uh, yeah. rent, uh, type of uh, thing that that spawned from? Right. So I, anyway, right. I, I found myself dancing a lot while <laughs> singing because usually <laughs> I have to have an instrument, but at the next waltz, it's just guest vocalists. Uh-huh. And here I am with no, nothing and uh, nothing but an audience to impress and try to keep entertained while I barely remember the words to this nonsense song. So I did it and I, I danced. And when I was doing it, I looked out and um, Moose, the the manager at the uh-huh. Alberta Rose, which is yeah. the most lovely person in the world. I have a uh-huh. mad crush on her. Uh, she saw me doing that. <laughs> I immediately got bashful. And it brought back sixth grade oh. feelings again, where in which, wow. uh, which I just don't dare. I don't dare wow. dance. No. Now, see, when I was in, in sixth grade, might have been sixth, might have been seventh, but um, there, were teenage, there were record hops, record, teenage dances, or preteen dances. And... Um, I won a jitterbug contest. Wow, you can you me can and dance. this and this and this girl, right? Um, what and, was the prize? And then never again. Why? I don't know. Just go out when you're on top, win yeah, the something jitterbug. Something like that. I don't know. That's a long time, yeah. Tom. Your time has come. You, you need to. Well, I was. You know, you, you, everybody has has their own speed of how they how they. Well, the jitterbug is fast. Right? It's fast. I don't mean that. I oh. mean how they develop. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you're still like eight years old inside, though. So. Well, that's, that's eight years old is when <laughs> little boys find their, their team. Ah, their team. And your team wasn't When dancers. I was eight years old, the St. Louis Browns moved from St. Louis to Baltimore oh, to become the Orioles. their team. A team. Their yeah. sports team. Yeah. So you're not a Ravens fan. Oh, sure. Oh, okay. But I was a Colts fan before that. Yeah. I'm well, still pissed off. Yeah, they left. Yeah. What are they now? They're not the Colts anymore. No, they're, they're the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, are they? Okay. And all their records, Johnny and they're in Johnny Unitas is in their record book. Oh, look, I'm getting, doesn't you, I can tell I'm getting you upset now. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you go through emotional puberty, so uh-huh. to speak, and you want to start dancing again, <laughs> I want to be there. I want, I want I to remember interpret, I danced, interpret dance. I remember I danced. The last time I, uh, I was able to, to dance really well was the first um uh mardi gras ball that the, the uh, misty crew of nimbus threw mm-hmm. at norse hall of all places yeah. and they, it had to end at, at, at like nine thirty because <laughs> the house was yeah. right on either side of it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and um and I, I danced with this one one woman all night wow yeah it was wow. great never oh, well. yeah never know could ha- it could could still happen. It could. It could. I had my 40th birthday party thrown for me at the Norse Hall. With Did you? Some of those same people. Tim Shaughnessy. Oh yeah. Uh, was yeah. playing bass in my band yeah. at the time, and Julia Julia Shaughnessy, and all those uh-huh. guys were yeah. my friends. And <laughs> rest in peace, Tim. Um, you, so honestly, what do you think of this record? It's too hopeful for you, isn't it? No. <laughs> no. There's not enough nonsense words in it. Well, no, not at all. I think it's lovely. I'm putting him on the spot here. No, you're not. It's all it's all happy harmonies and weird uh, Beach Boysy attempts. It's at fine. It's it's terrific. Okay, we I need, need it. 
We need it. That's here. That that, that that's your that, cut. That's your that's, cut line. There you go. We need this record. We need this record. Can I put that in quotes? Yes. Tom D'Antoni. Yes. We need this record. Oregon Music News. Okay. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Dancer. <laughs> Jitterbug champion of the third grade. All right, man. Listen, thank you for coming in. It's always great to see you. Thanks for it's so it's always great. I wish we lived in the same neighborhood. We would do this every week. I know it's true. <laughs> it's it's always a pleasure to see you. Well, the way we end these things now nowadays is by saying, "That's entertainment." <laughs> that do I have to say it? No, you okay. can either laugh or you can you can sing it or you can. Can just, we do it together? Sure. That's entertainment. That's is that the first time you've been you've been Ethel Merman? Oh. <laughs> you can hear that. Yeah. Don't tell anyone, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>